Welcome, Emmanuel, to worship today. And just want to acknowledge that today's a snow day and we're completely online. So hopefully you're worshiping in your pajamas and you're sipping some hot chocolate. And if you have any kids, then maybe you'll be going out later in the day and play in the snow. Throughout January and into February, next week is the end of this series called Reset 21. We've been talking about resetting the key areas of your life, physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. And today I want to talk to you about getting a financial reset. There's a lot of people that are struggling right now because of the pandemic. The government is talking about putting out a third stimulus check. Um, a lot of people have lost their jobs and still trying to, uh, the economy is still trying to bounce back. And so there's a lot of businesses that are still closed and we're still trying to figure out about how to reopen the economy. So we're, we're really struggling. On the other hand, there's many of you that are not struggling at all uh, financially because you're in an essential business or industry. Maybe you're working overtime. Um, I know this person who's a healthcare worker who in the heart of the pandemic in April of last year, they signed up to work in New York City for one month. And in that one month, they made $45,000. Now, I drove by this, this person's house the other day and I saw that there was a pool company out there digging out this big, huge pool with a beautiful patio area and a massive slide that's going down into the pool and they're getting ready for summer. And I thought to myself, gee, I wonder where he got the money for that. Well, he, he got it because he worked in New York City back in April and made all that money. Now, I'm not criticizing that decision at all because maybe that was the right thing to do for, for him and his family. But having excess or financial margin does raise some really important questions for Christians. Like, for example, what should I do when I find myself with financial margin? Um, should I put it in the bank? Should I pay off all my debt? Um, should I spend it on a dream, a want that I have? Or should I um, do something else with it? Um, that's what today's about. Today's about getting a financial reset and seeing money from God's perspective. Now. It may interest you to know that Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven or hell. And I think the reason why Jesus did that is because we think more about money than we do heaven and hell. Half of all parables that Jesus told had to do with material possessions or money. And it reminds me of the quote from Martin Luther. Martin Luther said that there needed to be three conversions. The conversion of the mind, the conversion of the heart, and the conversion of the wallet. This is my wallet. And Martin Luther said, yeah, every Christian needs to have a conversion of their wallet. In other words, having God change their perspective and sanctifying their financial possessions. So while we're going to look at scripture in just a moment, and it's from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 20, we're going to see what Jesus had to say about handling your money with the parable of the talents. While you're getting to that scripture, I want to give you a, a money self-awareness quiz. So Rachel Cruz developed this quiz, and she is uh, Dave Ramsey's daughter. You may know Dave Ramsey's name by Financial Peace University. And Rachel just wrote a new book entitled Know Yourself, Know Your Money. And in this book, she talks about the seven tendencies that people have. Now, there's not a wrong tendency or a right tendency, but it's, it's where you find yourself leaning toward. So let me just quickly go over these tendencies, and if you can, identify yourself in each of these. So are you a spender or a saver? Now, this is pretty simple. Do you like to spend money 
or do you like to save money? Find yourself. Are you leaning more toward one direction or the other? What's your tendency? Second, are you a nerd or a free spirit? Nerds love spreadsheets. They love budgeting. They always pay their bills on time. Uh, free spirits um, don't like budgets. They feel like they're too restrictive and they like to live life to the fullest and they're not going to worry that much about the details. They're creative budgeters. There's also a tendency toward either valuing experiences or valuing things. Do you know some people that just love to have experiences? They want to go on the, you know, the, the Disney vacation, or they want to go on a European vacation, or they want to go on a cruise, or they're always trying to make memories with their family. That's wonderful. But there's also some people that kind of go on the other side, and they're very much interested in things. They just they like concrete things. They'd rather, instead of taking a vacation, they'd rather, you know, buy a, a new car. Or rather than going on an expensive cruise, they'd rather remodel the kitchen. They just like the things. Again, there's no value system to them, right or wrong. It's just where you find yourself as a tendency. There's also people who value quality versus people who value quantity. People who love quality are willing to pay more for quality. They research their purposes, and they usually don't impulse buy. Quantity people love variety, and they love getting a good deal. So, for example, ladies, do you find yourself saying, I'd rather have four beautiful earrings that are high quality and expensive, or would you rather go on Amazon and buy 30, you know, earrings for $10, and you just like the variety of it? There's also safety versus status. There are some people that lean toward the safety. They always have an emergency fund. They like the security that comes with having an emergency fund. And then there's the status. A status person loves brand names. They love the finer things of life. Then there's the tendency toward abundance or scarcity. An abundance person sees the cup as half full and they're willing to take risks, they're natural givers. A scarcity mindset says that you tend to fear losing things and you hold on to possessions more tightly. And then lastly, there's the tendency toward either um, spontaneous giving or planned giving. You ever watch those commercials late at night, those poor dogs that are in a pound and they're shaking? Well, you know what, there's a part of me that just wants to like pull out my credit card from my wallet and just call up and just make a donation. Well, that's spontaneous giving, as opposed to um, plan givers. They do a lot of research on the companies ahead of time, and they wanna make sure that when they give, they're generous people too, but when they give, they wanna make sure that the money that they're giving to is going to a reputable company. So, now that you've had these tendencies, try to find out where you're at. Now, if you're married, chances are this. You married your opposite. You're probably sitting next to a spender if you're a saver. You're probably sitting next to somebody who's spontaneous giver as opposed to you being a planned giver. And so that's just kind of helpful to understand that God kind of puts opposites together to balance each other out. And hopefully, if you appreciate each other's differences, then you'll come up with some really good decision-making, particularly in this area of finances. Okay, so... Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents, the five talent, the two talent, the one talent. What did Jesus have to say about handling money? Four things. Now listen, I want to promise you, if you'll get these four things down, you'll almost never have money problems, and you'll probably retire pretty well, and you're going to be a generous giver because you'll invest in the lives of others. So grab a hold of these four biblical things that Jesus said about handling money from this parable. So the first is this. Everything you have 
is a loan from God. Everything you have is a loan and on loan from God. Verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his own goods to them. Now, notice the phrase, his own servants and his goods. In other words, who owns the goods? He does. Now, you may think, what am I, ta what, what, what am I talking about? I, I own a car. I own a house. You know, I own a boat. I, I own these things. I made the money to pay for these things. But wait a minute. Did you really? Who gave you the body that you have? Who gave you the talents? Who gave you the mind that you're able to turn all of those things into the ability to make money? God did. One day, now listen, one day your house, all the possessions in your house, all your clothes, one day they're going to go away to somebody else. You know, it may be 20, 30, 40 years from now, but one day you're going to sell your house and downsize, or one day somebody else is going to sell your house for you. One day, that great car that you enjoy driving right now, one day you're going to trade it in, somebody else is going to get it, or it's going to go to a junkyard. One day, your clothes are going to be passed down to somebody, or they're going to go to a thrift store. Holly was in a thrift store yesterday, and she bought a $114, like, cardigan sweater. I don't remember the name of it, but Ladies, you, you would get it. It's, it's the latest rage. She bought this $114 sweater for $8. Brand new, never been worn before. Well, that was somebody's that got donated to a thrift store, and the value of it was this, but the reality is Holly paid $8 for it. I heard a preacher sum it up this way. What you think you own is really on loan. What you think you own is really on loan. Now, this is really important for you to get because if you understand what this is all about, this idea of owning versus loaning, this is going to change your life. For example, you're going to enjoy life a lot more if you understand that God's the owner and you're the steward of it. He's just loaned it to you for a time. You're going to worry about money and stuff a lot less because it's not really yours. You're going to use money more wisely, and you're going to have more gratitude in your life. Why? Because it's all about perspective. Who's the owner? Who's the steward of it? You and I are the stewards. Jesus said it this way. This is Matthew chapter 6, verses 27 through 30. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. In other words, God has promised that he will always take care of your basic needs in life. And the truth of the matter is, is that you and I can testify that God has given us a lot more than our basic needs. But God has always promised that he's going to take care of us. He has never failed you. He owns it all. He's loaned it to you. And one day you're going to have to give it back. But in the meantime, you can rest because he's got this. If you're going through some financial problems right now, press into the Lord. Remember Isaiah 41, 10. You know, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The Lord is your strength. He's going to help you. He's going to get you through this rough patch because everything you have right now is on loan from the Lord. The second thing you need to know about money 
is this. You are responsible to manage well the resources that God has given you. Now, the story goes on. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But he who had received one went, dug it up, dug it and put it in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of these servants came and settled accounts with them. Question, what's a talent? Well, sometimes we think of talents as, you know, like I'm talented at playing this instrument or I'm really talented in doing something. And I get that, but a talent in the Bible was actually a bag of money, either silver or gold. It's sort of like this. So this is a bag of money. I got it from the Franklin Mint some years ago, and it has $100 bills, $20 bills, $10 bills, and there's probably a couple thousand dollars in here, except they shredded it. So now it's worthless. You see, it's the same money, but now that it's in a different form, it's useless. It just depends on your perspective. So a talent in the Bible was a bag of money, about 75 pounds. Now stop and think about that. The owner gave five bags of 75 pounds of gold or silver to the first guy, two bags of 75 pounds of gold or silver to the second guy, and one bag of 75 pounds to the other guy. So let's just assume for a moment it's gold. Did you know that 75 pounds of gold today equals $1.6 million? So the first guy got $8 million, the second guy got $3.2 million, and the third guy got $1.6 million. Now, what's, what's the point about kind of fleshing that out? God believes in you and he has entrusted you with many, many precious resources. And I'm not just talking about things. I'm talking about your mind. I'm talking about your attitude. I'm talking about your body. Sometimes we just forget how much God has gifted us because we look around at our 14-year-old car and we think, man, I'd like to have a new car. Wait a minute. That's just part of the giftedness that God has given you. He's given you so much. And even the one talent guy got $1.6 million, which is a lot of money back then. Notice also he gave each one according to his ability. Now, what does that mean? It means this, that there's always going to be people that have more than you have, and there's always going to be people that have less than you have, and you're not responsible for somebody else's talents. You're not responsible for somebody else's resources. You're only responsible for your own talents and your own resources. Have you heard this phrase before? Comparison is the thief of joy. You know what we have a tendency to do? We have a tendency to look around at different people in our lives and see the best of what they have and then compare what they have to ourselves and we go, man, I'm feeling terrible about myself. Nope, don't do that. Whatever God has given you, you have for a reason and we ought to be content to think I'm responsible for the resources that God has given to me, and I'm not responsible for those many resources that God has given somebody else, and I'm certainly not responsible for lesser resources that God has given somebody else. So here's a question based on a statement that the master said. The master said, put my money to work. What does that mean? Here's the question. Are you working for money, or is money working for you? 
Let me say that again. Are you working for money or is money working for you? Well, what does it mean to have money working for you? Let me just mention a couple things. It means uh, spending less than what you make. It means living in financial margin. It means paying your bills on time to avoid late fees and penalties. It means paying off your credit cards every month so that you don't have any interest, accrued interest charges. It means having a sufficient emergency fund to cover unexpected expenses. And then when you have to use the emergency fund, replenishing it as soon as possible. It means getting out of debt and staying out of debt. Now, I think house debt is okay because it's an appreciating asset. And with regard to car debt, most of us don't have twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars to go out and just plunk down to buy a new car. But what we ought to be aiming for is we ought to have a car payment and owe less on the car than what the car is worth, so that if we got into some real trouble, we'd be able to sell the car and we wouldn't have to worry about um, being being underwater on it. It also means making money work for you means saving and investing for retirement. I don't know what your retirement plan is. I don't know what you think about when it comes to retirement, but here's the principle that many people use. It's called the 80-10-10 principle. You live on 80% of your income, you tithe 10% to the Lord, and you save 10% for retirement. Um, and it also means asking clarifying questions like, do I need this or do I want this? Do you know the difference between a need and a want? That's helpful. It also means being generous by investing in others. You know, somebody once said money is like manure. You have to spread it around in order to make young things grow. And if you pile it up, it stinks. So ask yourself, who are you investing in? Now, if you will do these things, if you will make money work for you, even when you make a financial mistake, you may get grace along the way. So let me give you an example. I think on Monday it was of this week, I started to pull out all of my tax stuff, end of the year stuff, so that I'd be able to get things ready and organized for uh, my tax preparer to do our taxes. And when I opened up the file and started pulling out papers, I noticed something that looked like an invoice to pay my local income tax from last year. You ever had one of those flashes come over you, like suddenly, whew, and I thought, did I pay my my income tax for local tax last year? So I called up the local tax people, Berkheimer Associates, and I got a hold of this nice lady and I said, excuse me, I gave her my name, my address and everything. And I said, but did I pay my taxes last year? And she said, you did not pay your taxes last year. And I said, oh my goodness, I, I'm so sorry. I don't know how I missed paying my local income tax last year. What do we do? And she said, well, okay, just send it in. I said, well, what about the penalties? What about the fees? And she said, oh, Mr. Prue, we have a record. You, you know, you pay your taxes on time every single year. You probably didn't, you probably forgot to pay your taxes because it was in the middle of the height of the pandemic back in, in March, and you just probably forgot about it. And I said to her, well, if you want to blame it on COVID, go ahead and blame it. I really don't know why I didn't pay it, but I just didn't. So she said, just send it in. It'll be, it'll be taken care of. And I hung up the phone and I thought, thank the Lord I am boring when it comes to just being faithful and paying bills on time. You ever, you ever not paid a credit card on time and you got an interest charge and then you called up and you said, oh my goodness, I, I, I mean, I must have missed a payment or whatever. And they said, oh, don't worry about it. We'll take the interest charge off this time because we know that you're faithful in paying your bills. That's making money work for you. 
The third thing Jesus said about how to handle money is you are accountable for what you did with what God loaned you. This is verses 20 and 21. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents, but look, I've gained five more. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things, and I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Being accountable for God, being accountable to God for what he has entrusted to you should not make you panic but it should help you to realize that God does expect a return from the gifts, the talents, the abilities, and the resources that he has given to you. God has things he wants you to accomplish in your life. He doesn't want you to just live a life Netflixing things and eating Dove bars and ordering pizza all day long. He, he actually wants you to be productive in life, and you're gonna feel better for it anyway. That's how you live a satisfying life. So the Bible says here, Jesus said that one day you're going to get an audit. And the audit isn't going to be from the IRS. It's going to be from the G-O-D. And the G-O-D just wants to know how did you do with what he gave you? Notice he said to those that had five and two talents and gave back five and two more, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Now I'm going to make you faithful over many things. Come and share in my happiness. And I've been thinking this week, not only do I want to hear those words, but I'm pretty sure everybody wants to hear those words when it comes time for them to stand before the Lord. But the real question is, how do we know on this side of heaven that we're actually going to hear those words? I think it's actually found in what the, the, the master said to the servants. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Question, are you handling money wisely. Do you have a budget? Do you pay your bills on time? You know, those, those list of several things. Are you handling money wisely? Well done. Good and faithful. Now, good and faithful refers to your character. Are you using money and loving people, or are you loving money and using people? There's a huge difference between the two. Can you be counted on day in and day out to do the right thing with your finances. And then lastly, servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Are you living a surrendered life to the Lord? Have you had a conversion of your mind, a conversion of your heart, and you have, have you had a conversion of your wallet? Is this wallet surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ? That's going deeper with the Lord. Here, here's the fourth point, and it's a universal point applied to everything across the board. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I know you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Wow. Now, if you don't exercise, you're going to lose muscle, right? If you don't constantly challenge your mind, your mind's going to atrophy. It's just a universal principle. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. So I don't know if you know this about me, but I played the trombone from grade school all the way through college. I was in bands, concert bands, marching bands, and I, I feel like I was a pretty good trombonist. And then life just happened. You know, got married, had kids, and became a pastor, and I haven't picked up a trombone in like, like 35 years. A couple years ago, I picked up a trombone and I started playing again. I was awful. 
I mean, I was really, really bad. I had no talent whatsoever. I couldn't remember, you know, how to read the notes on the page. I couldn't remember where all the slide was supposed to be in order to hit the notes. It was, it was just terrible. So, question. Why didn't the one talent guy do anything with it? Why, why did he actually bury it? The answer is, of course, fear and feelings of inadequacy. And that's your answer, right? I mean, that's all of our answers. Why don't we do things? Why don't we stretch ourselves, right? Why don't we say, I think I'm gonna trust God to um, use the talents and the gifts, the abilities. I'm gonna trust God that whatever finances I have, even though maybe I wish I'd have more, I'm gonna be faithful in the small things. Why, Why don't we do those things? A lot of times it's just plain old fear. What if I don't succeed? What if I'm a failure? What if I look bad in front of other people or the boss at work? What if I can't meet their expectations? Is there fear holding you back in some area of your life, particularly financially? Are you afraid that you're not gonna get all the things that you want in life, so you just go keep putting stuff on the credit card because you're not really trusting the Lord that if you live within your means that he's gonna help you to grow in your financial margin? You know, a lot of credit card debt is simply not trusting the Lord to meet your needs in his own timing. But you have all that you need right now to be successful. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you if you're a Christian, if you're walking with Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit whispering to you. You have God's word to look and and to delve into and to say, okay, this is how I'm supposed to handle my money. In other words, God has gifted you. Remember, even if you feel like you're the one talent person, you still got like $1.6 million. God has gifted you with so much and he wants to give you so much more. He wants you to enter into his joy and his happiness. But you've got to be faithful along the way and you can't allow fear to derail you even in your financial plans. I promise you, if you will trust the Lord with your finances, that he will more than meet your needs and he will be able to entrust you with more. So I came up with this financial prayer and I'm gonna read this financial prayer in just a moment, but it's online on our app and on our website as well. And I wanna encourage you to print it out and just stick it in your Bible or stick it in the car or stick it in the favorite book that you're reading right now. Pull it out several times a day. And this is a prayer of blessing to help you with your finances and to put these four things of, that Jesus said about handling money into practice in your own life. So here's the prayer. My loving Father, I want to be financially healthy. I commit myself and my finances to you. You are the owner of all that I have. Thank you for the resources that you have gifted me with. Help me to remember that and to steward them well by living within my means, by paying bills on time, by getting out of debt, by saving for retirement, and by practicing generosity, by investing in people and organizations that really matter. More than anything else, Lord, I want to hear you say to me one day, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Would you be bold enough to pray that prayer? Would you be bold enough to surrender your finances over to the Lord? Now, for some of you, that may mean creating a budget for the first time. For some of you, that may mean cutting up your credit cards and saying, I'm I'm not going to put anything more on the credit cards until I know I can pay them off 
every single month. For some of you, that may mean opening up an IRA and starting a retirement account. God is so good, he's so generous, and he wants to bless you financially. If you're going through a hard time, I get that. You keep leaning into the Lord, and whatever resources you have, if you just keep using those resources to the best of your ability, God will see you through that crisis. He'll get you to the other side, and one day you'll look back on this time that you're going through right now and say, the Lord helped me. Now I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Lord Jesus, for all who are watching right now, I pray a financial blessing over them. You do want to bless us because you are a God of blessing. It's in your heart to bless. What word do you want to give to each person listening right now? A personalized word from you. Give them the courage to receive that word. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you, Emmanuel. Have a great week in the Lord.